Genrecast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week's film is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Correct. Uh, it's a movie about laxatives, and Correct. I'm very, very excited. <laughs> no! That's what the Chocolate River is, baby. That's right. You know, you get plugged up uh, and it's under uh, pressure, uh, and out comes oh, no. the uh, loop. Uh, loop. I don't like. I don't like this. I don't like this bit. Gatological humor. I don't like it at all. It's not what this movie's about. It's a wholesome treat for the whole family. Is it? Including child murder, potentially. Uh, Potentially. Uh, So anyway, we're going to talk about this film. Let's go ahead and identify the disembodied voices speaking directly to your brains. Who are you, sir? I am Arthur Gordon, and I am now telling the computer exactly what it can do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. (laughs) Thank you very much for that. Who are you, sir? My name is Dalton Stewart, and a little nonsense now and then is relished. By the wisest men. Hey, Arthur. Uh, my name is Dustin Sells. And do you ask a fish why it swims? Or an eagle while it flies? Or Dalton why he talks? No. No, nor do I. And uh, you shouldn't even bother. That's what the Candyman does. So we're going to talk. The Candyman does. And uh, we're going to talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm not, not going to talk. Not after that hurtful comment. And not to be <laughs> swine. Not to be confused with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from Tim Burton. I don't have a year, and I don't even care. We're not talking about that one. Nope. So uh, what we are going to do, though, is analysis and not review. And that means that we will spoil the film. And so you're going to find out um, all the deep, dark secrets in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. But we're going to wait to the uh, last half of the show to do that. So before that, we'll have a synopsis. Yeah. We're going to try not to spoil a film that's 50 years old. Oh, gosh, it, it is 50 years almost. old. Wow. Wow, guys, we're almost in the 2020s. That sounds so futuristic. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, those movies lie to me. My car's still not flying yet. No, nope. No jetpack for me. Um, so what we'll do, though, synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. Then we'll do our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, which will be spoiler-free. We'll play a game which might involve minor spoilerificness uh, of uh, this film or films in its orbit. Probably not this week. And then we'll get down to business, which will be analysis, and then all spoiler bets are off. You've been warned. No further ado. Arthur, let's hear that synopsis. You all right, brother? Charlie receives a golden ticket to a factory. His sweet tooth wants going into the lushing candy. It turns out there's an adventure in everything. Ask him if he's all right. What is that synopsis? I think it's a perfect synopsis for this film. I think it's wonderful. I love <laughs> it a lot. Frank. How do you describe the beginning of this movie? You can't. There's a there's a contest. You can. There's a sweepstakes. You oh, that doesn't even begin it, to. Cover Ed McMahon it. shows up. It's, it's Mc, wild. It's McDonald's Monopoly, and they win the golden you know arches. Thing. No one ever wins the golden arches. No one. No, no one. one. Yeah. Capitalism wins. Well, um, much like. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that going on, so uh, we will discuss that. The world's longest commercial. Oh, it is, really. Uh, so, without any further ado, let's hear some reviews. Dalton, let's review Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Go. I have had not, rather, seen this movie in, I'm going to say decades plural. 
which is weird that I can say that now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that feels, whew, that's scary. Welcome. But yeah. Ooh, jeez. I don't, I don't think I'd seen this movie since Hello, I was brother. seven. Uh, maybe ten at the most. Yeah. Uh, so I had forgotten that the first half of this movie is just an absolute buck wild sketch comedy about a world gone mad. Which I I did not remember. <laughs> Which only has five continents now. Yeah, strangely enough. No. Uh, I, as I was watching this, uh, again, there were moments that I remembered. I remembered uh, Augustus Gloop chowing down and the the German newscaster with the the, uh, the the antlers. Yeah, the antlers behind him. Yeah, I remember that visual gag. I remembered the kids like getting the ticket, but I'd forgotten about all these interstitials, like the woman whose husband has been kidnapped and uh, the ransom is her, her <laughs> crate of Wonka chocolate bars, and she goes, "I'm going to think about it." Do I have to have a decision today? Yeah, and, and then the the robot or the computer, the, computer. the, the supercomputer that's going to tell them where yeah. the uh, the last golden tickets are, and that's it gets real sassy. Yeah. yeah, Dave, I can't help you. Dave, I can't allow you to do that. Yeah, I can't allow you to cheat, Dave. This movie is wild. Yeah. It's absolutely madness. And that's not even counting Gene Wilder. He doesn't show up until over halfway through the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then it really takes off. Uh, and that you're probably more familiar with, listener. I don't know if you're like me and haven't seen this in a long time and forgotten about the absolute insanity that is the first half of this movie. Uh, Charlie Bucket? Is that his name? Bucket. Yep. Bucket. Bucket's not even in that much of the first half of the movie, really. I mean, he's in every probably second or third scene, but... Every scene that's not with him is just a weird comedy sketch uh, Mm -hmm. about what's going on, how the world is losing its mind over this marketing campaign, which I'm sure we will talk about later, uh, about how CEOs build a cult of personality around them and mm -hmm. use that to push off their wares. Stephen Jobs. This is the the how-to guide for Nintendo and the release strategy. Hell yeah, it is. You are... God, Arthur, you couldn't be more correct. Wow. We're, we're going to talk about that more anon, though, I assume. Yes. Uh, the second half of this movie, I think, is a, a delightful. It's the only black G-rated comedy. Like, it is the pitch darkest humor you have ever seen in a children's film. It is, like, Wonka is relishing in the potential murder of these children. Uh, and it is not until the final moments of the film that they gets walked backwards. Look, I know we're spoiling it, but that's, come on, you remember that that's the setup of this movie. These kids get picked off one by one by this monstrous <laughs> chocolate factory. It's basically a Saw prequel. It is. Yeah. It, it's madness. Like and yet it never stops being funny. It never stops being charming. The production design of this movie is absolutely bonkers. It's just every frame of this film. And even before they get to the chocolate factory, really, the production design is really fantastic. It just takes place in this. Charlie lives in the United States, but is clearly living in like a small English hamlet, like which is my favorite detail about where he lives. There's no neighborhood in the United States that looks like that. No. Um, just all of these weird little cinematic details uh, that are sprinkled throughout the film are just really showing you a level of filmmaking that is of a much higher caliber than you would expect, honestly, than I remembered uh, at least. And uh, it's a shame we don't have children's movies this competently made and this weird anymore it feels like i mean yes we have very well made cgi children's films but they all are loud and splashy and again there's plenty of dumb children's movies from the 70s too but this just seems a cut above like i cannot the lego batman movie's pretty weird and the lego movie itself is pretty weird i can't think of any children's movies from like the last five years that are anywhere close to as weird as this movie 
so yeah, for that alone, it's great. Add in all these really solid child performances, uh, which is you know honestly a dicey proposition a lot of the time, yeah. and all these kids yeah. deliver, and you've got Gene Wilder just being fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a solid children's comedy uh, with a whole lot going on under the hood. All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Yeah, I, I echo Dalton's sentiment. It, 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 it's so odd, especially for something that's just product placement for an hour and a half. I mean, a film financed by the Quaker Company. Oh, that's what I was about to ask. Quaker yeah. Oats, yeah. So the Wonka chocolate was already in produce because obviously i knew there's wonka candy now but that brand existed already so from what i gather from my research and a lot of this from wikipedia so take it you know for what you will but apparently the director's daughter had read the book Mm -hmm. told him she thinks told her dad he thinks you know he should make this movie so he goes to his producer friend they go to the quaker oats company who licensed the book and financed the film wow Upon doing that, they decide to launch their line of Wonka and use the film as promotion for the Wonka line of candies. Wow. Oh, like the tickets. Yeah. Like the movie. Yep. What? Yeah. Life imitates art, art imitates no. life. No. We are caught ever in a vicious, unending cycle. Oh, God. Life informs art, art informs life. We're all doomed. But for this being an hour and a half commercial for candy. It works really well. It's got a lot going on. There's this dark comedy sensibility about it. There's this kind of European or 70s cinema, you know, the way it's shot and the way we're running through these European uh, cities and streets. is just fascinating. And, and a lot of the stuff that they take on, like Dalton said, there's a lot kind of right in there. Just the humor and the weirdness and the absurdity uh, that we'd be familiar with, you know, if you're watching, you know, The Flying Circus and things like that. But this, you know, definitely predates, uh, you know, Holy Grail and, you know, Holy Mountain, those types of things that really take that absurdism to another level but this is really hinting at a lot of stuff i think and uh, i i appreciate that and apparently i i think a lot of the uh eric idol cleese and all of them had wanted to be uh you know wonka but they that didn't have sense. the name they didn't have the household name yet yeah that a wilder would uh but gene wilder i think puts in a pitch perfect performance here. he's so good uh he's towing this line of straight man and that dry british sensibility and humor uh but from the moment he does that almost improv somersault tumble, like, it raises the Apparently stakes. his one condition for doing the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because it immediately raises doubt in the mind of what is real and what is, or what is true and what is not. Yeah. You have entered a realm of lies and misdirection. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's a great moment. It's a great character tick. Uh, but Wilder, I think, is just perfect through the film. Um, the kids are all fun, you know. The grandpa's kind of a jerk as a character. Like, he's kind of this entitled jerk. Grandpa George is interesting. Joe. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, Grandpa Joe, Grandma Josephina, Grandpa George, Grandma Grandpa Georgina. Georgina. What? This this, movie's insane. Yeah, there's this absurdism because they're all just laying in a bed and we don't know why, but they've been there for 20 years. Yeah. Just laying in bed. Yeah. And Um, Charlie's dad is is dead. Like, yeah, it, it, it paints this very absurd, very abstract picture of poverty that is also very real in the way it feels which is interesting yeah yeah uh but i i appreciate a lot about it i think it's fun i think it's got a lot of good moments some interesting song choices uh the candy man can um mm-hmm. but uh I, I like it quite a bit i think it uh, holds up to a rewatch i think it offers a lot for adults as well as children uh will disturb some children probably but, Most uh, certainly. Yes. Uh, obviously, the tunnel scene being the key part of that, which is all kinds of buck wild. There is no weird. earthly way of knowing <laughs> which way this podcast it is going. You've entered the second Truth. half of the podcast. It's true. Yeah. Truth. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. There are some things I don't 
really I, I think it's a weird tick to have Charlie and Grandpa kind of rebel a little bit in the fizzy room. That doesn't feel right, especially where the where the ending goes. It seems like a weird misstep. It, it feels to exist. It I, feels like it exists for completely script reasons. Yeah. It doesn't feel informed by the characters at all. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing that's excised from the Tim Burton version. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's a good choice. And it's not in the book either, I don't think. Yeah, it, it doesn't really work. Yeah. Well, Roald Dahl was, writes the screenplay, so, I mean, he's fully responsible. But Yeah, he's he's the only credited screenwriter, isn't I he? I believe so, yeah. But I know he rebuked the film. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So There you go. Um, I liked it. It was fine. Um, I, I don't have the nostalgia at all because I just didn't see I, this movie. Again, I don't really either. I, I didn't remember I it very well. I watched it so much. It was one of those movies at daycare that they yeah. would just put on in front of us. And I'd watch it so many times that it was like nothing. It was like white noise to me. Yeah, it feels like a... So I, the, I, don't, I don't have a connection to yeah, it, to be clear. Either. It feels like one of those PBS British comedies, uh, sketch comedies from the 70s. Yeah. You know, it definitely has that feel yeah. to it. Yeah. It's got that... And, I mean, the production design, as you say, is interesting, but it also feels very thrown together from a thrift shop. I, I like that about it, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I do. I, I think I, I wanted more from it from that. I think the songs are weirdly melancholy, like a uh, like a uh, Peanuts yeah, <laughs> musical. Yeah, I know. Yeah, which is fun, but also strange. I, I, I kept imagining a child watching this film, like a, a contemporary child. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I would think, this is where I guess I critique the film, it would, I think that child would be bored to tears watching this movie. I guess, as opposed to like a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Did your boys watch it with you? Uh, no, they did not. That's a good point to make. I did call it a children's film earlier, and uh, Dustin, you might be right. It, calling it a children's film is probably not fair. It probably is a family film more than it is a children's film. Yeah, I film. think that's probably fair. And I, I, know, I know, again, I'm sure kids in the 70s loved it because, you know, entertainment being, you know, just the standards of what it was, I'm sure it was just as interesting as it possibly could be at the time. But, again, for a contemporary audience, I'm just thinking of my own kids, I would see them being bored uh, quite a bit through the film. I, I, I wasn't bored. I thought it was interesting. Um, I do think it's ideologically a little messy and we're going to oh yeah you know and problematic in some ways and yeah the oompa loompas the, oompa the plight of the oompa loompas unionize brothers <laughs> jesus christ yeah. what even we have we'll even, get there oh, we'll get there i'm so excited to talk about it yeah so th there, there's something with with evil santa and his elves uh there's definitely <laughs> a, a, a problem there um and, and the and the way in which the trick works and that kind of stuff and we'll get to that you know when we get into full out spoiler time but um it works I mean it, it's weird and it's fun uh, there is something about that sort of seventies aesthetic that's going on it also sort of plays into some sort of romantic ideas about the author and we'll talk more about that later or the artist um which are mm -hmm. but also Andy Warhol so I kind of like that um and you know more on yeah. that and on I, I guess I am a Generally positive, but sort of middling is where I would okay. say I, I lie. Uh, okay, uh, I I like all the things you don't like, I, except for the you know the the real thematic Messy. messiness, yeah. which we'll get into. It's it's thematically rewarding at a child's level, right? Now, I like I said I like the melancholy. I like uh, yes. I like the dark humor. I like Gene Wilder. I like the kids. Fine, the kids. I mean, they're just you know kids being kids, and they're bratty kids. Um, I'll talk more about technical stuff and the video usage uh, in this film uh, because that's interesting to me. But it, I don't know that it integrates really well. Okay. Uh, th that's the thing is that it feels like that's a cool idea and it's I like that it's there but l when they put lyrics up when they're singing or yeah. when they're using some of the sort of uh, video wave kind of uh, information I'm like it just it feels a little wonky to me um, not wonka um, 
And so, yeah, it, it, it's mostly good. Uh, that's what I'd say. It's mostly good, but probably kind of bad for you, just like candy. And uh, that's that's what I'm th- that's mm-hmm. what I'm suggesting here. So there you go, dear listener. That's where our biases lie. Uh, we want you to be part of this conversation with us, though, via social media. Dalton, make the social media available by saying things so they can be uh, rectified to those possibilities. Yeah, lead them down that social media tunnel, baby. I would be happy to, gentlemen. Uh, dear listener, you can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash. Probably the easiest way to engage with good trash media. Our Twitter followers are growing. No telling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep going. I don't want to. Mm, you're so, showing signs of slowing. <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's his age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First one of the night. I'm sad. We got pretty far into the show without one of those. Yeah. No, you look, you, you look, you look great. Honestly, he looks younger than I do, I feel like. He's a vampire. Yeah. Literally. No. He's a Willy Wonka. He has less gray in his hair than I do. He's Willy Wonka. Which is very upsetting. I don't think Willy Wonka ages. He probably doesn't know. I think he's a vampire as well. Uh, it's, all, it's all that hair. Cream. Well, what, what he's going to eventually do is is fade into the shadows, and Charlie will take over, much like Batman Beyond. There's a real great line in uh, in Tim Burton's where they say, "Well, what's the hair cream for?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "To hold in moisture and pats his hair." It's a great moment. It, it, it's, it's a really good line. funny. It's a good joke. Uh, well, I want to talk a, a little about the remake later okay. on. Anyway, so Good Trash Media, that's us. Oh, uh, yeah, we're doing that thing. Yeah, now. we're doing social media. We haven't even gotten to the rest of the show yet. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, again, not just the Good Trash genre cast, but everything we're doing, the best way to do that is going to be over at Twitter, at Good underscore Trash. Talk to us about upcoming projects. Talk to us about the Praise Down with Heath and Alex, a show that uh, we host here on the network that we're super proud of. Uh, we might have a delicious... Do you want me to tell the people about that? Yes. Let's go ahead and tell it. Uh, we are going to be doing a special Good Trash Genre cast, the Praise Down with Heath and Alex crossover episode uh, in honor of uh, the Lord's Day Easter. We're going to watch Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, which is a film it is that a film. you wouldn't talk about in a film studies course, which is what we do. And it's uh, you know a Christian-leaning thing with music, which is what they do. Right. It's my second favorite Jesus movie. Uh, what's your favorite? Uh, uh, Last Temptation of Christ. I knew it. Yeah, of course. Those are yeah. the correct answers. What's your third favorite? My third favorite is... Uh, Passion of the Christ. No, Greatest Story Ever Told. What's your fourth favorite? I want to see how far we can get before uh, he Franco Z- Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth. We'll it's, probably never get to Passion. It's worry. five been her. My uh, fifth favorite is uh, Gospel of John. Okay, so we're going to get back on track now. Yeah. That oh, was... actually, no, excuse me. Gospel According to St. Matthew. I lied. Uh, the past leaning. That was a really fun film uh, thought experiment, though. So, uh, in honor of uh, Dustin's background and uh, the Lord's Day and our love of our friends over at the Praise Down, we are going to do a crossover episode. We are going to watch Jesus Christ Superstar together, record an episode, and that will be dropping in both feeds, I think, is the plan. Yes. Probably. On uh, April 1st, uh, Easter Sunday. So that, you or know. thereabouts. If you don't want to go to church on Sunday, uh, if that's not really we'll bring your bag the church anymore. to you. Exactly. Uh, if you're like me and that's not really your bag anymore, uh, enjoy this. Uh, if you're like me and it's entirely your bag, it's going to be very edifying and also funny. It's going to be fun for the whole family. It's, yeah. it's good for grandma and grandpa, and it's good for for you kids, except for the all the f words. But that'll be yeah, there'll probably be a lot of those. Yeah. I, maybe your your grandparents are cool like mine, and they they think that's funny. Although my favorite theologian Stanley Harawas drops multiple f bombs per lecture and talks about pacifism. He's awesome. So uh, if you want have any questions about that or want to know more about it, again. At good underscore trash, best way to get a hold of us for anything about this show or the praise down or information on upcoming projects. Mm, stay tuned. That we're not ready to talk about. Uh, coming up next, how else can you get a hold of us? Well, there's Facebook. Uh, I wouldn't ever encourage literally anyone to use Facebook, but if you want to, 
that's good trash media gtm facebook.com forward slash gtm i get the notifications on my phone so if you do something i'll know yeah dustin knows he keeps an eye on it for us but uh, it's not really our, our main avenue if you have long-form feedback about this show specifically hit us up good trash genrecast at gmail.com uh, that is how you ask us questions uh or give us feedback if you think there's something we're not doing correctly like if uh, I'm, I'm not being like sassy at all i know it's kind of hard to tell when i'm being sincere that's just how my voice sounds uh if we hurt your feelings uh or you think we did something shitty we want to know about it mm-hmm. uh that's how you can tell us and we will uh rectify that in whatever fashion you find appropriate um or if you just have a question about the production about how we pick episodes yep yeah, sure why not whatever you want or if you just say hey here's a thing you guys didn't think about this is a thought i had let us know we would honestly prefer that much more to facebook things so uh hit up that email um last but certainly not least if you would rate review and subscribe to the show at your preferred podcasting app we would really appreciate that it helps increase our visibility uh it's just good for the numbers it's nice and uh if you love this show enough if you love the praise down enough that you want to help keep the lights on uh we are very soon not going to be able to host the praise down and the good trash honor cast at the same location because heath and i are about to not live together anymore it's a sad day for everyone uh, but that means an increase in our overall production budgets. So if uh, you really like this and have been putting off uh, helping out, that would be a good time. Again, don't ever feel obligated. Seriously, it's not a big deal if you don't want to. I don't want you to listen to this podcast and feel guilty. Do you guys ever feel guilted by your podcasts for not Sometimes. giving them money? Just a little bit. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, and I don't want you guys to feel that way. Podcasts are free. That's the way it should be. Uh, that's how we uh, keep these radio waves free for pirates, baby. But... Um, if you do want to give us money, that's totally fine. So that's uh, patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, I did it. I got through all the stuff. We're done. All right. We're awesome. done with Business Corner. I guess now we ought to play the game. Oh. It might feel good. It might sound a little something. But damn the game. If it don't mean nothing, what is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game. She got game. We got game. They got game. He got game. It might feel good. It might sound a little something. But fuck the game if it ain't saying nothing. Damn. Stop. Come back. No. Just no. Oh, no. It's time for the game. It's, Please don't. Oh, no. Stop. It's funny. I stuff. really have to insist that we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Wilder's, like, increasing lack of being able to, to muster his zero F's any, given any shits about these kids. Yes. Oh, my God. It's such a good bit. You really must open your mouth more when you talk. It's so good. Uh, so funny. Now, was that for me or was that just a line you like? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't like you. I can't understand you through all that mumbling. Look, did I did I wish I I saw less of myself in Mike TV? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Funny. Can I change it now? Probably. So the game we're playing is I don't even know. Tell me what the game. We're going to recast Willy Wonka. All yeah, right, we, we I'm going to do it on the fly. I'm going to make it up. Oh, okay. You, you're not prepared. Uh, not you, you had a busy day. That's right. So I yeah, got this. Arthur, WC Fields. Arthur and I both find uh, Johnny Depp's collection of uh, wigs and ticks to be very inferior to Gene Wilder. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. look, Johnny, fuck you. That's all, that's all I got. You know what? You beat up your wife. Go fuck yourself. Uh, so let's recast it with somebody we hate less and might not do such a terrible performance. Arthur, okay. take us to town. Are we round-robbing it again, uh, like as normal? Yeah. What? Okay. So my, my first choice is going to be, I, I, sadly, he can't do it. But uh, I, as I was watching this, I kept thinking of Robin Williams. Yes. And yeah. I think Robin would have been great. Uh because as we were talking, I was talking to Dalton Alfair about this. Hey, Willy yeah. Wonka is not really a, 
he's not a character so much. Uh, I think Johnny Depp really went too far to try to make this one of his goofy, weird characters that he kind of got saddled into in the latter half of his career. Uh, but there's Wilder's not really doing a character. Willie's all intents and purposes is just a regular guy. He's just kind of eccentric and doesn't really care about the kids. Um, yeah, it's like it's almost as if Gene Wilder did uh, a him and Richard Pryor movie, except he was both parts. Yeah. And, and I kept thinking of different comedians that would go in there, but I feel like they'd all just be too zany, too – like Jim Carrey be too over too the top. Too big, yeah. But Robin really had this way – he could go over the top, but he really had this way of being more nuanced, and he could be happy. He could be sad. Uh, he he had that range that I think Wilder has here, and I think he could have played the drive parts. He could have played the endearing fatherly aspect of it, but he also could have been a little sinister, uh, as we've seen him do. And – uh I think he would have been able. And the way that uh, Wilder inflects his voice in certain aspects in the elevator, I kind of kept hearing Robin's voice and, and thinking about uh, Robin quite a bit. And I think he would have been a great Willy Wonka at some point. Yeah, that's a that's a fabulous pick. Um, my, my first pick, uh, I think I think this this actor would really match the absurdity really well. Uh, is just going to cover all of these bases that we've talked about, right? It's not going to feel like a collection of ticks. It's an actor that does character work for sure, but always imbues a real sense of charm and heart and warmth and also silliness. And it's a uh, Taika Waititi, actually. I think okay. not only mm-hmm. would he be able to perfectly and wonderfully direct yeah. a version of this story. Oh, I, think I want that movie. He would be fantastic. I want that as movie. the lead. Yeah. Yeah. Is, wouldn't that? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I thought about it, I was like, oh, my God. It's yeah. I want perfect. that movie. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think Taika's sense of color, uh, both in, you know, even what we do in the shadows, which is a little bit more washed out of a film. Yeah. Potential reasons, yeah. I think, still has kind of a fun palette in their their house. Yeah. Um, obviously, Thor Ragnarok is this you know phantasmagorical kaleidoscope of colors. Yes, it is. Um, but so again, I think visually his sensibilities are there, and I think comedically his sensibilities are there. I mm-hmm. think he's got that deadpan, that absurdity, yep. uh, that that just rings true of that that style of his that yep. comes from that uh, that New Zealand comedy scene with him and the Fly the Concords yep. guys. You know, Jermaine Clement, who also honestly, yeah. Clement wouldn't be a bad uh, Wonka himself. That's a good call. So uh, that is my first pick is Taika Waititi. Excellent, Ricky Gervais is oh uh, boo. Yeah, no, I think he'd be hilarious uh, because he could be so mean. And he's so good at me. Yeah, I'm just very over him. Yeah, at this well, that's point. fair. But yeah. uh, but I like to, and I think he can turn on warm. And it's so weird when he does. I think for me, that's what bothers me most. I think he's most interesting when he's warm, when yeah. he's coming from a place of a lot of heart, instead of like thinking he we want him to be this like shock jock cruel. ass. Yeah, yeah, cruel. This mm-hmm. just kind of down punchy guy. But I, I I think you're right though about the warmth that I really wish we saw more from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he could do that warmth, and then he could be really really mean to to Mike TV. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. While uh, I've got my problems with Ricky, I, I think that's a good choice, honestly. So that's my number first pick. What's your number next pick arthur uh, my next pick this is a uh this is a comedian that would really have to toe that line but he's really good at keeping up this kayfabe of you don't really know what he's going to do or mm-hmm. what he's going to say and it's zach galifianakis mm, i think yeah. zach could really childlike wonder yeah boom but he also has this way of when he does certain things you don't know if he's being honest or not in the in in his you know you don't know if he's being sincere yeah he sounds sincere but you you can't trust him i think and i think he has a way of parlaying that into his films uh and i think i think he'd be fun i think he could be endearing i think he can be heartwarming but i also think he's got that dubious side to him that you just can't put your thumb on him and lock him down into one way or the other and i, and I appreciate that i think that role has to have that element to it to really succeed and work 
So Zachy, Zachy would be my next pick. All right, number next for you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. So my next pick um, is going to be, I told Arthur to take us to, <clears throat> excuse me, dear listener, I do apologize for that. Uh, I told Arthur to take us to town earlier, and uh, if you're going to go to town, you might as well do it in a Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going in with the comedian here. We're going with Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Now, Bulls pit. Now, first of all, Bullshit. McConaughey's hilarious. We all know this to be a fact. Mm. Uh, and I think... <laughs> Just like riding down... Uh, uh, yeah, I, again, his weirdness, his refusal to be anything but himself, Yeah, uh, I think... And again, I think that's part of the Gene Wilder appeal. He's refusing to be anything but Gene Wilder playing Willy Wonka. Yeah. McConaughey will refuse to do anything but play McConaughey doing this thing. And again, I, I don't want to undersell... His talent as an actor. He's a very talented movie star. And I, I think what our great movie stars do is take that persona and reshape it yeah. to what the role calls for. And I, again, I, I don't want this to sound like a backhanded compliment because I love no, McConaughey. Yeah. No, we yeah. all know this. Uh, I just think his weird. I mean, picture Russ Cole from True Detective just rambling, you know, candy is an illusion you put in your mouth. You think this everlasting gobstopper will change anything. Just like weird. Again, I think he'll bring the the darkness of Willy Wonka. And Mm -hmm. again, I think he's got really great timing and comedic sensibilities. Hey, Dalton. Yeah. You know what I love about Oompa Loompas? (laughs) I keep getting older and they stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. Hey, man, you got any hair cream? (laughs) No, man, not on me. (laughs) That's funny. All right, that's my pick. We're Uh, done here. All right, my number next pick is for Wilhelmina Wonka, um, a female Wonka, and that's Greta Gerwig. Buddy, I like where your head's at. Your head's, okay, go. That's all. No, she'd be great. Yeah. She would be, yeah. It would be that real that Francis uh, Mistress America. Yeah, for, just, yeah. 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 All that weird, all that quirk, all that, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that's going on. You know, on. also directed by Greta Gerwig. Yeah. So, I'd yeah, see it. I, I'm for that. I'm for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. She can do the remake. So, uh, Greta Gerwig as Wilhelmina Wonka. Uh, moving on, uh, number last. Right? My number one was in the same vein, but I was going with Kristen Wiig. I think nice. Kristen would be able to pull it off because she's able to do that that serious thing. You know, she's, yeah, she no, can absolutely. do the overtop character, but she's really good at being a sincere person and she's, human. She's got that thing that uh, Galifianakis has, a yeah. similar pick, is that she has that misdirect, right? Yeah. Where she, she has the ability to deliver deadpan mm-hmm. and sincerity in the same line, yeah. which is really interesting. I love Kristen Wiig. I think she's hilarious. I think she's a great actress as well. She, I mean, comedy is hard. Uh, but I don't think people realize that. So when they see these comedians do these more dramatic roles, I think they're taken aback that they're able to do that. But doing the drama, doing the other stuff is is a lot easier than doing that comedy that Kristen's great at, and she's just a great actress all around. Uh, and I think she could bring a lot to this role. I'm really hyped to see her in uh, Wonder Woman 2. I'm really hyped to see her do more stuff. And so I think she would be a great Wilhelmina Wonka. I think you're absolutely right. I Excellent. think I think any schmuck thinks they can go on SNL and uh, well, let me rephrase that. I think any schmuck can go on SNL yeah. and like with a great room of writers be funny, but to sell a really good comedic performance is another thing entirely. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Arthur. Um, my last pick is also in uh, this same vein, uh, but it's still just Willy Wonka. It's Tilda Swinton. Give me that androgyny. Uh, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. Give me that. Nice, yeah, nice play. The androgynous Wonka was weird as fuck when Johnny Depp did it. Tilda Swinton doing it on the other hand. Yeah. Now we have entered a new playing field of a, a way higher caliber yeah. film. Now, now, now we're into some business. And look, you don't need me to sell you on Tilda Swinton being a great pick for this. Have you seen? No. Have you seen Oakja? Yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's I, re- great. I rest my case. Yeah. Have you seen Snowpiercer? I rest my case. Have you seen? We need to talk about Kevin. Honestly, kind of an interesting uh, carryover there. Yeah. Uh, with the, the moralizing about uh, youthful uh, 
nightmares. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my final pick is Tilda Swinton. Dustin, how are you taking us home? Uh, number last is Jordan Peele. Uh, Holy shit, that would be good. Uh, I... I'm torn between Jordan and Keegan on it. Either one. I I went back and forth in my head, and I said, I'd rather see Jordan because I want him to direct it, too. Here's the thing. I want Jordan to direct it and Keegan Keegan play it. Yeah. yeah. I I think Jordan directing Keegan would be really interesting. I I don't know if Keegan has any directorial aspirations, honestly. I don't know either. Yeah, that's a good question. Written by both of them. Yes. Definitely written together. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a great pick. Either way. Yeah. So uh, there you go, dear Lester. That's some fun game. Damn, that was a fun game. Well, those are some good picks. I have some good choices. Man, I... I'd get hyped about any of those. Some of these were... Guys, I'm really proud of us. These were pretty inspired. Like, some of them were out of left field and uh, make perfect sense. Well, I I, I think the automatic mindset is to go to a character actor because of Depp's performance. Yeah. But when you rewatch it, I mean, Wilder's not doing this over-the-top character. And I think to uh, get caught into that is going to take the character the wrong direction instantly. Uh, So I think you have to have these kind of subdued, more straight man-type yeah. performances. You, you want comedians with nuance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, there you go, dear listener. If you've got your own selections or you'd like to boohoo any of ours, you may do so via those magical means of social media already mentioned. But I think now it's time to get down to business. Yes, business. Yes, business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh. Yes, And class undismissed. It is time to bring some analysis uh, to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate That's right. Today we are going to talk about percentages. (laughs) Many percentages. And I'm going to teach you. How could you know and I not know? Then you'd be teaching me, and that's not appropriate. I've had those teachers. That math teacher is so good. It's a great performance. I, I don't know who that guy is. That's some great comedy. That is some some straight-up just classical British sketch comedy. Yeah, it is. Just some, it's just some, yeah, some flying it's circus, faulty towers wild, and shit. It is. That performance is nuts. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's perfect. Okay, so shall we talk about capitalism now? I guess we can. I guess we have to. I mean, uh, that's, I mean, in talking is... about the world's longest commercial, I think you have to. Yeah, yeah. that's the biggie on the iTurn. I think we are watching a long ad for Wonka brand candies that, uh, you know, gobstoppers and other things that are developed in, in lieu of the film. Now, Dustin, here's where I, I'll jump in. And uh, you're the one that runs this. So I'm just going to, if we're going to talk about capitalism, I feel like there's three central points that we need to get to, right? All right let's hear them. There's the Oompa Loompas. Yes. There is the the direct funding of this as a commercial. Uh, and, and there is just the deification, the cult of personality that is Willy Wonka, right? right? I feel like those are the three things. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about, you know, Charlie's role in all this later. I think regarding that sort of deification of the person, we have to talk about the corporation as the transnational state. Okay, is that what we want to talk about first? Uh, well, I mean, I don't care how we do that, but uh, the way in which... But let's start there. Uh, the way in which the the law and order of this five-continent world of a hundred billion people, so it's obviously like a children of men kind of situation. Wait, wait where did you get a hundred billion? Because uh, the, the numbers dropped in one of the newscasts. Wait, do they really say a hundred billion people? They do. They probably did are you serious? I'm not making it up. Holy shit. Okay. So, so we are, Roald Dahl has still transported us into his Roald Dahlian world. Okay. It is the future. And uh, there is a weird way in which uh, 
I'm just being stupid. No, I loved it. The future <laughs> was very good. I liked it a lot. Did uh, the five continents thing, I missed that too. Did they say that? They did say that, you know. And, of course, I mean, there's only six continents that are overall inhabited, you know, yeah. in Africa. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, for some reason, there's just not Australia, you know. or the, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Did Asia absorb Australia or did well, Asia considering absorb, the, did uh, Europe and Asia fuse? I think considering the color palette of the film, I think Africa went away. Uh, but, oh, yeah. There aren't any black people in this movie. I'm just saying. Yeah. So that's my guess. But, yeah, you're right. God can I it. say... Apparently, Rold had originally, if, if I'm not mistaken, Rold had originally written the, the, the child character in the book. Mm-hmm. Charlie Bucket. Yes, as black. Well, that but makes way more sense. They publishers said a black kid on the cover probably wouldn't sell as well. These dumb, dumb motherfuckers. So I believe that's the anecdote yeah. that I read. Never listen wow. to the people with the pocketbooks, man. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, so here's the thing, though. In this, again, sort of weirdly dystopic, utopic kind of world that we're looking at, that's, that's sort of recognizably the 70s and also somehow the future as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, in this strange world, the the ones that really are running the game, and again, it's sort of oddly predictive, are those who run these huge multinational corporations. Mm-hmm. That is the locus of power. The way in which you can control the world is by putting together your sweepstakes and the entire world is going to pay attention now to who gets the five golden tickets and gets to look inside a corporation's factory yeah that's that's what it all comes down to and again it is, it is the way in which states matter less and corporations matter much more yeah. well i mean it really is interesting we we are up upon the release of ready player one which uh it is frequently referenced how much that story cribs from this story mm-hmm. uh but i guess i've never realized and again didn't in this watching that this wonka world does take place in this kind of dystopian future uh so really it is ready player one is cribbed entirely wholesale it's just a, a video game uh factory Version. instead of a candy factory and again uh, yes i know it's a vr world shut up i don't care nerds uh but yeah i mean it is this exact same thing because in that story it's the same thing these the real locus of power lies in the pocketbooks. It has nothing to do with politicians and bureaucracy. All right, and states. And so, you know, uh, one's Germanness is only a character tick. You know, one's Britishness or uh, North Americanness. Those things are just they're whatever. Those are yeah. the only places anybody's from in this movie. Yeah. Uh, well, again, because they absorbed all the other continents. Yeah. Um, which is troublesome. But uh, yeah, so that's that's the first thing. It's just sort of the way it's prescient about the the corporatocracy. Um, in which we perhaps now live already and uh, is going to continue to be the sort of old. Yeah, Elon Musk is launching space missions. Yes, that is the world we're living in. Ain't no what if about it. Well, I was I was you know trying not to be too overly yeah I'll I'll do it for you prophetic here yeah I'll I'll, t- I'll, <laughs> I'll bear that burden yeah so uh, that that's the I mean that's the first thing yeah. you know and then the way in which then the heads of those corporations as heads of state become these sort of uh, figureheads these iconic figures in the same way that a JFK was once a figure leading a nation so Steve Jobs so Elon Musk you know around and around we go so that's you know and that's the way the Jeff Bezos, Manhunter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, All I'm saying, you can't prove he doesn't hunt people for sport. <laughs> and if you had that much money, let me rephrase that. I don't think you would, listener. This is the cost. How of many crime people shipping. do you know, listener, that would hunt people for sport if they had that much money? There we go. You can hunt them for sport without money, but I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even need the money. He's got it. Yeah. It, but yes, yeah, so th- this all feeds back into this the the role that Wonka fills in this world, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so he is, again, this sort of weird corporate head, and that everybody, again, bows at the altar of Wonka, and they worship him for his genius and for his artistry, who can make the sunrise and sprinkle it with dew. Yep. That's obviously going to be Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, that's... That's the Which story. is odd because it seems like he's the one that's kind of ruined the economy within this town. He's laid all these people off. Right. And they still... And shuttered his factory. Yeah. And they still love him. Yeah. They, they love him. It's weird. It's because, bizarre. Well, the only reason why socialism never takes off because people consider themselves as temporarily inconvenienced future millionaires. Uh, that's John Steinbeck. And uh, that's the situation in that town. So they, they, they don't hate Wonka because they just want to be him. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, uh, that's that's the first thing that I see watching this film, and that, that just sort of got me irritated. And then the sort of weirdness of the artist himself, right? You know, or herself. The 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 eccentricity of Wonka, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the misanthropy with which he he seems to engage with these children, and again. Uh, I get that this is a, a bit of moralizing to children. I mean, that's kind of the point, right? You don't want to be a Veruca Salt. You don't want to be this spoiled little kid who wants, 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 wants. You don't yeah. want to be Mike TV. You don't want to be this kid who's not living a life worth commenting on. You don't want to be on. You don't want to be this obnoxious yeah. gum chewer who just has got to like be rude. Honestly, I'm. Go- I've got to say, Violet seems the most benign. She's What's the prejudice of- against? Gum chewing. That's yeah. a weird tit. Like, what's hey, roll doll? Calm the fuck down, it's buddy. Gum. Yeah, chill out. There roll. are worse vices. Seriously, I think she's just generally rude. She is kind of generally Nose rude. Picking, and, and I think rude, yeah, yeah, the gum chewing is supposed to be like yeah, uh, as Gustav uh, Augusto's as Augusto's binge binge eating is about you know gluttony. Yeah, so is the gum chewing just a general like rudeness, a lack of social grace, but. She still seems the most benign of all the other kids apart from right. Charlie. All she did wanted to do was try the gum. Hey, yeah. Wonka, maybe don't let the kid try the experimental gum that's going to turn her into a blueberry. And again, th- that comes back to this eccentricity, right? He he legitimately does not like any of these kids. Correct. Even a little bit. Correct. And he does not hide it, uh, which is cute and funny in the film. In the context of the film, it's right. wacky as all hell. But yeah, in a larger like meta-narrative, it's very troublesome. Right, and we, and we forgive all sins of the artist because that is how they become artists is by becoming so themselves, right? And this again, the romantic ideal of what it means to be an artist. How could he have invented Wonka TV if he wasn't, you know, this majestic artist? Yeah. And so, you know, that that sort of romanticism and we of artists. Pardon his sins because he's an artist that creates and that makes him untouchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for you know, up until this last eighteen months, you know, that was. It doesn't matter that he killed four children. Yeah. It just matters that he made great chocolate. Right. And, and yes, as Dustin has just alluded to, gee, Allen, does that Roman seem Polanski, does that seem prescient at all? Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, the fallout of fifty years. We're talking about uh, a Hollywood that existed during the production of this film, obviously. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that is one thing I thought about during, uh, I, I was reading and apparently uh, other than, um, uh, I think Mel Stewart was the director's name. Yes. Sounds right. Um, apart from him, like intentionally scaring the kids a couple of times, uh, to get reactions out of them, it sounds like, which we can talk about that all the ethics of that all the live long day. But apart from that, it sounds like this was not the worst set to be on. Uh, but I, I got to admit watching this film, thinking about, Everything that's been happening in the last, you know, two years, uh, the fallout of a hundred years of bad actors in the film industry, it was hard not to be worried about these kids. Yeah. Uh, I'm legit. I'm not 
being facetious yeah. or like inflammatory at all. Like again, I don't. I've never heard a bad word said about Gene Wilder. I wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't be him. It, but you know, look, film sets were unsafe places for children for a very long time, and yeah. you know, we're still working on that. So that's, yeah. I think, a reasonable concern. I don't know if you guys had any of that at all. I, I didn't get any weirdness, you know, no. about that. Other than just you know knowing situation. I mean, just, just sort exactly. of yeah. knowledge of like that kind of stuff happened all the time. So the, yeah, am I watching a film in which that happened? Well, yeah, probably. You know, I mean, that's it, it was relieving to read that though. That it was apparently yeah. a good set. Um, yeah, it seemed healthy. But yeah, uh, sometimes it's not, and Correct. sometimes we excuse it because they're an eccentric with a top hat. Right. Uh, the one sort of redemption of this artist mode that I want to talk about in terms of the production of art is uh, something. It plays off a comment Arthur made in the uh, group chat as we were watching this. He called this movie "The Holy Mountain for Children," yes. and uh, which I think is brilliant, Arthur. So well done, sir. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And I do uh, I can? Yeah. And but but what I was thinking about was particularly that scene in which they have their art production factory, which is of course uh, modeled after Andy Warhol's art factory and this idea of mass produced art. And there is a there is a way in which this film is sort of conversational with the idea of the Campbell soup can as a form of art. Now we're talking about the candy bar as a form of art. And so there, there, there's a way in which it really engages in postmodernism and pop art that I just think is cool. You know, I don't know that it says much about it other than it just sort yeah. of plays around the aesthetic a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know that I can think of any deeper meaning. But you're right. That is a, a good aesthetic for this movie to engage with for sure. So that that's the one thing of its sort of form of production and, you know, again, sort of capitalist, you know, labor, uh, means of production sort of being owned by uh, Willy Wonka that we're dealing with. But um, let's talk about the means of production and, and, um, and those who produce and those who produce the beautiful proletariat. Yeah, <laughs> struggling under the yoke of their top hat oppressor. Well, no, he he rescued them. He's their uh -huh. savior. Yeah. yeah he oh, he rescued them and stole them away under cover of darkness, so no other nations would know about it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. He, yeah. Re he rescued them. He rescued them. Yeah, because they'd be still living in huts. You know, the Umpalumpas are slaves. Oh yeah, it's yeah. slave labor. We, it's yeah, totally it's slave labor. Oh, they slaving. Now, does that get engaged <laughs> oh, with? Gosh. Oh Jesus. Oh, he even makes them do songs and dances. Yeah. This motherfucker right here. <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in, their, in their painted face. This son of a bitch. Uh, They're going to turn them into sex slaves or something. <laughs> <laughs> Get out, Charlie. Look. Get out. This is why I find Johnny Depp's performance in the remake so upsetting because it does feel like a Michael Jackson affectation. It's a yeah. Little, it's a little weird. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. playing Michael. Uh-huh. More than a little bit, I think. No, he is. Yeah. That's fair. I think it's a direct As soon as he shows up, yeah. It's a direct inspiration yeah. for the character. And it makes it even more unsettling. But again, with the Oompa Loompas, in the context of the film, it kind of breezes over these things very quickly. And it, you have to stop and think about it for a second. But uh, yeah, it is right there on the surface. They don't really hide it that much. Nope. Do we know if the novel engages with this anymore? I, I have no I, idea. I had it read to me as a child. I kind of was reading about this, but I can't, can't really replay, re recall what is you know brought up. I, I was reading something about colonialism and Dahl and mm -hmm. you know, talking about this. I mean, they are. I mean, he goes and, and uh, Burton's is a little more on. I mean, this is on the nose, but Burton's, I mean, he's... he's the Oompa Loompas are Indian. It's just you know, a South right? Asian guy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the one guy. Yeah, but yeah. And we it, see him going trekking into the jungles to save the Oompa Loompas. Yeah, I mean, they're like South American Amerindians. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the actor is a South Asian man. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, Deeproy. they're all Deep Roy. Deep Roy. Thank you. I yeah. couldn't think of his name. Uh, but yeah, it's he. I've forgotten about. This. He's got the safari hat on and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I remember this now. Ugh. So it's much more on the nose than the new one. But yeah, it's it's. It's not. Why do we not engage with this at all? Either film. Why are we not talking about Wonka? The, because they support the capitalism. The motherfucker who shut down all the jobs in town and then imported a bunch of foreign labor that he doesn't and have to isn't pay. that he's not paying. Oh, he's mistreating these immigrants to this land. Damn you, Wonka! You son of a bitch! How how is this not all anybody talks about when they talk about this movie? Because it's cute and harmless and whimsical. Ah, yeah, you're right. And the fun little you know, lollipop guild is just having a ball singing their songs. Yeah. They are very sassy. You know who can do they whatever are. they want? The Candyman can. Fuck. You know who financed this movie? The Candyman. Candy yeah. So, again. Starring I'm, Tony Todd. <laughs> <laughs> there's not really any more to engage with. Man, Tony Todd is Willy Wonka. <laughs> Dang. Candyman. Wow. Yeah, you go to the bathroom and say Wonka three times, see what happens. Never. <laughs> you you want to end up. Willy Wonka with a hook for a hand. Damn right, you'll end up on in the taffy face. pulling room. <laughs> Where's the honey chamber at? I don't want to find out. Not only do you pull the taffy, you are also the taffy. You are the taffy. You were stuck in a taffy it's machine. A, what the, where's it's Pinhead coming it's, yeah, from over here? It's a real Ouroboros. They have such sights to show us <laughs> in Wonka land. Charlie. So, you want to play a game? I'm going to get us back on track, which I can't Good believe luck. I'm the one doing that. Uh, do we feel like the film engages with this in any capacity? No. no. Yeah. That, okay. No. That's so, the worst. Yeah. And that's the thing that's most frustrating for me is that's really, there's not more to talk about with this because the film never addresses it. And again, I don't know if Roald Dahl is trying to do some really subversive, like, under-the-radar commentary here, or he thinks this is okay. I legitimately don't know. I, I can't see how you would do that and know it. I'd say, I mean, and it's hard because, I mean, yeah, he's writing the script, but it'd be hard. I mean, there's no telling how much, you know, studio, you know, directing and that kind of stuff would also play into that, you know. And I think going back to the book may give you a better idea. But I don't think the book is much for, I mean, I, I think a lot is... It was pretty lifted from the book. So as far as we know, Roald Dahl was totally cool with uh, just snatching people up and making them work in your factory. He's more worried about chewing gum than he is. Oh, yeah. Just like a fucking Englishman. Yes, very impolite, you know. um, A 50s Englishman. Sorry, sorry, UK. You're you're doing a little bit better. Well, you know what? We're kind of on the same tier right now. You know what else is, um, you know, really rude? Abducting an entire race and making them work for no wages. But anyway. They're working for cocoa beans. Are we talking about the Dutch now? It's uh, all of us. It's uh, it's, it's all it's Europeans. Everybody. Yeah. It's look. It's just European colonialism. I mean, yeah. that's yep. writ large. That's what this film is. Yep. And, and again, I think whether the film wants to engage with it or not, you cannot divorce European colonialism and capitalism. Sorry, kids, you can't do it. No. Like, trust me. As much as it would probably make everybody feel better if we could engage with capitalism without engaging with colonialism, it cannot be done. Because just like the U.S. economy was propped up by the slave trade. Uh, the entire world capitalist economy was propped up by both the slave trade and it's the slave trade specifically and more generally European colonialism. Uh, look, I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable. I'm sorry if you don't like that. I think our listenership is probably pretty cool with that idea by and large. That's the way it is. Yeah. It, it is a history of people going where they are not welcome and taking what is not theirs and using it to their own ends. You know, like labor and coca beans. Mm-hmm. Just like how chocolate is actually, in fact, made 
to this day. Yeah, I, I, guess where coca beans grow, guys? Near the equator. I, I can't think that Roald Dahl is not entirely aware of just the parallel there. I certainly hope he is. And I, and I, I do think it may be like this sort of like deep subversion. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I just I, I can't fathom a person, you know, with any sort of self-awareness at all. You yeah. know, writing in the 70s. I don't know anything about Dahl's uh, politics, yeah, though. Yeah, I don't either. And that, I guess yeah. we should go ahead and distance ourselves from that. Yeah. If a listener does know a lot about Dahl, I would appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, please I'd hit like us to up. Know because, yeah, that, it, it, it seems like he has to know. And if he does know, then he's either very cool with it and is a scary fascist. Mm-hmm. Or he's super subversive. Is super subversive. And could have stayed to be a little bit more, a little bit less subversive. Something, something I mean, More subversive, but more, more direct, I guess. Right. Well, here's another thing that's problematic in all that. So the idea of winning your golden ticket, right? That's the lie that keeps the wheel a-turning, baby. That's the American dream, baby. You're going to be the one that gets the one promotion. You're going to be the one that, you know, and you just keep on playing the silly game. You're on this rat wheel. Which is, I mean, it's the same thing as a casino. It's Somebody's got to win, right? And so go ahead and enter in, buy your lotto ticket. Um, And let's not pretend we're immune from this. Listener, I'm I'm not kidding you. Literally less than two hours ago, I I just recently got a promotion at my day job uh, and was talking about how much easier that's going to make my life. I've got some some personal uh, expenses that are uh, really a drain. And uh, I was just talking about, oh, things are are looking up now for old Dalton. Whoa, I got the golden ticket here. That's the fucking lie, man. Like, that is what keeps you going is the promise that if you just keep buying chocolate bars, someday you, too, will get to go to old man Wonka's chocolate Taria and uh, get to sample his wares yourself. If you keep working hard enough, you'll get that Google internship and you'll get to have your own robot, too. Right. Well, and I remember the okay, Rocky. the first financial advice I ever got. The only way you can make any money is by spending money. Mm-hmm. Right? Being Takes money to make money. And you just, yeah. And it just keep on keeping that cycle going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just broken. Just Wh- utter- you know how else you can make money? Whitland. Whitland? Spend no money. Whitland? Whit- Whit- Whitland. Whittling? Whittling. I, I don't know. It was the first thing I could think of. All of Dalton's furniture is, in fact, whittled. It is whittled. He spends nope. his days uh, whittling. Nope. Bought it at a furniture store, just like everybody else. <laughs> you know why? Because I think I'm going to get my golden ticket if I get the right coffee table. Look, I'm, I'm not any smarter than you are. It's just... We got to talk about it. Dalton is IKEA life. Are but we getting anyway. the uh, Are we getting like a redneck version of Willy Wonka, where you like five coffee tables have golden <laughs> tickets and you get to go tour this woodworking factory? I bought this furniture at Mathis Brothers. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to know what the eclectic was. Mathis Brothers. Guys, if I find out what what factory this furniture is made in, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. I don't think. Yeah, and probably not. Probably not. No. So, because Oompa Loompas are real, <laughs> died to make this. God, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> and again, this is the thing that we're talking about. The Oompa Loompas are real, ladies and gentlemen. There is... Uh, yeah, they live in Thailand. Very little better than slave labor making all of our goods. There's no ethical consumption under a capitalist system. That is, again, not a new thought. It's just a fact. I'm sorry. Somebody's getting hurt for you to get your cheap wares. So, okay. Well, um, we've. Uh, I, I just wanted to talk about capitalism. There's other stuff going on in this film. Yeah, let's talk about uh, raising some babies. Let's, uh, children? Yeah, let's talk about kids. Yeah, they suck. Yeah, you've, you're the only one here that's got them. <laughs> uh, so, I guess... You, you don't want them to be gluttons. You don't want them to watch TV all the time and be hyper-violent. You don't want them uh, to uh, be these demanding little Napoleons, although they start out that way, all of them. 
Um, and uh, give me, give me, give me. Oh, all the time. Well, and again, I think I, I don't know how well the film engages with this. It, it definitely gets to it a little bit. Uh, all of these kids are extensions of their parents. Yeah. Right. They are all mimicking behaviors that they've learned from their parents. So who do you blame for the kids' behavior? The mother parent. and father. It's yeah. Like in a lyric, one of the songs. Yeah. So it, uh, it, sort of, but also. So it's it's just engaging with the, the fact that look, these kids are still just kids. They cannot be held totally responsible, but there have to be consequences for your shitty behavior because if your dumb parents aren't going to teach you how to be right, society fucking will. Yeah. And I, again, I think that is the one thing that I do like about the, the. I think the one thing about these this films, the themes that aren't quite as muddy nearly as much as this cult personality that Wonka has, is the idea that. Look, parents, this is a this is not a fable for your kids. This is a fable for you. Yeah. Get yep. these kids to act right, or they're going to go somewhere where this man is going to throw them in an incinerator for acting a fool. Hey, moms and dads out there, listen to me real quick. I want you to do something. I want you to put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and repeat after me. No. That is the word you need to learn to say. No. You cannot have a golden goose. Yeah. You cannot get in the TV machine. No, you don't need another helping. I mean, you just have to do that. And again, all of their all these kids' idiosyncrasies and eccentricities come from their parents. You know, Augustus's mom is definitely enabling his troubling uh eating behaviors. Yeah, or her uh, childhood uh, diabetes onset. Yeah. Veruca yeah. Salt's mom is really the one that seems to be uh allowing her to ride but again the dad yeah. is not taking responsibility for anybody. Uh yeah. he just wants to Dad's beating he down. just wants her to not yell. Yeah. And his only way to engage with that, Mike TV's mom is just as interested in uh attaining some sort of wealth and fame as he is. They also seem uh, to be a little scared of T V. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to tell him no. Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. Uh, well, he so runs the house. He's so violent. Yeah, yeah. It's a real we need to talk about Kevin situation. Well, you can get a 45 Colt when you're 12. Oh <sighs> man, that that is a moment that definitely feels like it's trying to say. And again, I feel like there are moments, and it's just it's doing it at a very surface child's level, which is where you get these wonky. Uh, I promise I didn't mean to do that. These wonky themes. Uh, with you know the, the nature of the how the chocolate factories yeah. run, I think that is just a virtue of the fact that this is supposed to be a child's level narrative. Right? Uh, children aren't going to aren't supposed to be expected to think deeper than where did the Oompa Loompas come from. What they are supposed to be expected to think about is what sort of behavior is being modeled here and how how is it rewarded. Uh, and there is something to be said for engaging with the idea that this idiot who wants to let his twelve year old have a handgun's a, a dipshit uh so there is something to be said for the way it engages with parenting and children i think uh that said i know wonka tells charlie that all the kids are going to be okay but do you guys believe that shit i I mean in the book they are they are yeah okay (laughs) everything goes to plan you know violet gets juiced uh mike gets stretched out uh violet's okay covered in trash but you know they all do survive in the book. And okay. in Burton's version, they all come out, too. I think yeah. I think Burton's version sticks a lot closer to the actual source material because it's more of an adaptation, okay. not a remake. Yeah. Interesting. But, um, so, yeah, none of them are actually killed. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and Which assume too bad. the text of the film. Now, what, I did read this take that mm-hmm. uh, capitalism is what fixes these kids. Going to the fact this capitalist machine is seeing that working hard and being honest and letting the system roll over you is the only way to succeed. Holy crap, that's a good take. Being obedient to the boss's rules. Yeah, where did that come from? I I read it on a blog. I was doing research, just reading some different analysis of the movie. Hey, yeah, 
Yeah. So you know if what? I can try to find that. I'll try to link it in the show notes yeah, or something. That's, that's wow, yeah, that's brilliant. That's a really. I'm I'm so glad to uh, to hear that. Yeah, that really complicates everything. I think you're yeah. wow. Thank you for finding that, Arthur. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any further thoughts. I'm just kind of flabbergasted. Dustin, you got anything you want to say about that? No, no. That's just that's that's just spot on. Yeah, that's yeah, brilliant. It's yeah. a friggin' bullseye. Uh, I don't have anything else I want to say, fellas. Anything else you want to talk about, Arthur? Well, you mentioned some technical stuff earlier. You know? Oh, yeah. What do you want to get into that? I w- I'm just going to talk about just the way in which this film is sort of smartly aware of uh, avant-garde film movements at the moment yeah. at the time. So uh, just avant-garde art in general. So we've got the Andy Warhol thing going. Uh, th- there's a lot of this sort of videographic stuff, which reminds me of a uh, experimental filmmaker from uh, America uh, called Michael Snow. Uh, and so he plays with these waveforms and this sort of video artist, video installation art. Yeah. And, uh, and also a little bit of Tony Conrad, although Tony Conrad was more interested in these sort of cognitive uh, film experiences like the Flicker is what yeah. he's best known for. But my- Michael Snow especially. And uh, just sort of those Buffalo, uh, uh, SUNY Buffalo um, group of people uh, surrounded around Hollis Frampton and that kind of stuff. The way in which the uh, the surrealist montage that we have in the uh, boat scene, the tunnel. which is apparently uh, traumatic for children, I guess like blue flying monkeys in the Wizard of Oz were <laughs> for some. Uh, and so there, there's a weird and interesting way in I which... Want, wait, let's not just undersell how weird this scene... A chicken is beheaded. Yeah, there is a chicken beheading. What? That's that, do huh now? It's like the surrealist, you know, the uh, eyeball thing, you know. It's it, 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 it's doing that thing. Yeah. Okay. And so it it, it is really intertextually conversant, and, yeah. I, and I find that to be just fascinating. And, yeah. and so there are bits and pieces of that sort of strung throughout, and uh, the this sort of uh, surrealist juxtaposition, uh, the use of the, the experimental uh, video art like Michael Snow, uh, the use of Andy Warhol, and the uh, sort of uh, art factory, those kind of references do make it interesting on, on, on a sort of artistic intellectual level. And uh, so I just want to name drop some of the intertext is more than anything I wanted to say cool. uh, about that. So um, there you go, dear listener. Uh, that is our conversation. Unless you have another thing? I don't think so. I think that covers about all of it. So uh, we have exhausted the chocolate factory. Um, and so we have now burned enough calories. We can eat a thousand Wonka bars a piece. I'm very excited. I've been, I've, I, I got two. You've got two. I, w- I bought two. You bought two. Yep. I, I'm going to eat ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, that no. would be uh, that would be a, a thousand percent. You're going to do the percents? Yeah, I'm going to try. Yeah, I'm not good at math. Yeah, I'm not going to do. I, 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 I studied English. I make it a rule not to do math in public. Um, that's just how I live. Uh, so there you go, dear listener. If you have other mm. thoughts about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, please do share. Yeah, them. there's plenty more to talk about. I mean, yeah. we didn't. There's so there's we didn't even get into really the first half of this movie and just like how easy it is for a marketing campaign to absolutely make people lose their damn minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really. I'm, and again, I'm not going to pretend I'm susceptible to. I'm not susceptible to this because I definitely am. Now you made me watch a video, a movie trailer before we even got the in. Happy Meal is driven by this. Okay, in fairness, that is an independent film. But you're right. Oh, it's a corporate product. They got bought by Annapurna, or however you say it. Yeah, that's, yeah that's a corporation. You got bought by them. I'm going to go ahead and say it's an independent film, though. Boots uh, Riley's a first-time filmmaker. I'm going to say there's no such thing as an independent film. Okay. You know what? There's something to be said for that idea. Uh, we, well, there are. It's another conversation for another. I but, know. I know what you're getting at. But though. No. what we say, indie film, those, those, that's not independent film. No, you're, and I think there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. Yeah, but, we'll get into that another day. Yeah, uh, that's, that's not a conversation around this uh, big production here that we're dealing with right now. But point is, there's more to talk about the Willy Wonka we did not mm-hmm. engage yes. with. So uh, yeah, let us know. 
And so uh, give us your thoughts via those magical means. The social media already mentioned. Let's render a verdict concerning the Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Shall it go down the river and down the garbage chute into the stretching room? Or does it continue on into the uh, magic button elevator um, time with Wonka? I guess. Well, that's a good thing. All right. Shelf for trash. Elsewhere instead. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf it. I, I think it goes on the shelf. I, I, I think it's got a lot of interesting things happening uh, just from a filmmaking standpoint. Um, thematically, ideologically, I think there's a lot to engage with here. Um, and it's kind of fun. There's a, a nice whimsy to it. And, and with it, I think I'm going to give you about a week's worth of programming that's just going to go oh my further and further down a tunnel. First, you're going to watch Willy Wonka. And then you're going to deal a little with colonialism and, and have fun while you're doing it as you watch Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. Uh, and, and then the next night you're going to start to get a little absurd and you're going to watch the animated Alice in Wonderland. Then it's going to get a little farther down the rabbit hole and you're going to watch the Holy Mountain. Nice. And then you're going to cap this all off going back to this reading of the artist creator and you're going to finish out this marathon, this, this week of programming with Darren Aronofsky's mother. Holy cow. Damn. That would be a tough. Week. Crazy, crazy week. And there you go. Well done, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, Dalton, shelf trash. Elsa instead. I, I am going to go ahead and shelf it. I, I think this, this film is completely bizarre in, in ways that deserve to be preserved and remembered. Uh, it, it is kind of singular for the weird nutso children's movie that it is. Uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of movies like it. And I think if only for that, it's worth preserving. Uh, and again, it's a dense film with a lot to talk about. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that we talked about, and I think we barely cracked the surface. So yeah, for uh, those reasons alone, it is certainly worth putting on somebody's shelf, if not necessarily yours. Uh, what should you pair with it? Well, uh, wow, uh, what a great place to start. I think the first place you want to start is films that engage with this myth of artistry as a a balm for uh, bad actors. Uh, I think the best film that I can think of recently that does this, one of my favorite films the last couple of years, is Whiplash. Uh, nice. w- far superior to the follow-up La La Land, I think. I think La La Land only enforces the idea that the pursuit of your artistry uh, at all costs is always a good... And again, I think it's a very cute film. It's a, it's a great musical and interesting love story, and the way it resolves is interesting. But I love whiplash and the performances from miles teller and jk uh, simmons and the ways in which it interrogates the idea that you can subject yourself to abuse in the pursuit of greatness uh, and that you can abuse other people in your orbit uh, as an outlet for what you're suffering in the pursuit of greatness i, I think there, there is really some interesting themes going on in that film uh, that again it directly engaged with this idea that oh well the artist is you know they're so themselves that they can't possibly do anything else but make chocolate, play the drums, you know, whatever. Uh, and I, I do really appreciate the ways that film goes down that, that question. Uh, it mm-hmm. goes down that, that rabbit hole and asks interesting uh, offshoots of that. Uh, next up, what should you check out? Well, you know what? Let's, let's talk about uh, people trying to get their golden ticket uh, and mysterious mentors. Let's talk about Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven. I just kind <laughs> nice. of, so I kind of found myself, uh, I was just, trolling netflix and i stumbled across oceans 11 i was like oh i didn't realize this was streaming right after i finished willy wonk in the chocolate factory and as i was watching it because i'm, I'm wanting to try and reevaluate soderbergh lately I, I i really like side effects and logan lucky um and uh, I, I haven't watched uh, and hey haywire and those are like the most recent three soderbergh's i've watched and the more i think about it, the more i'm like maybe i didn't give him a fair shake because i didn't really care for out of sight which i i know is egregious i know a lot of people love that movie 
Um, I don't have fond memories of the Oceans movies, so I was like, well, let's rewatch this. And the further I got into this movie, the more I felt like it really does pair very interestingly with Wonka, right? Uh, you've got Brad Pitt mentoring these actors and how to play cards, but clearly is an unreliable mentor. You have George Clooney then reentering uh, Brad Pitt's life and the way they kind of mentor and mentee each other. Uh, Matt Damon's character enters the fray, and it's the, the entire film, the entire crew is a series of misdirections, not just for this larger story, uh, although the plot of Ocean's Eleven misdirects you just as much as the plot of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The characters misdirect each other all the time by nature of it being a con movie, but also there is a lot of um, teacher-teachy, uh, stu- student-teacher relationships in throughout the film that are really interesting. So, uh, and again, a, a, an intense eye for production design and mm-hmm. camera details, and uh, yeah, I, I think they pair much more closely than... Uh, anybody would think and i think they engage with this idea of uh money as a a cure for all things in really interesting ways uh last but certainly not least the great anti-capitalist film of our age there will be blood from paul thomas anderson uh one of my favorites anyway we shouldn't say the great one uh but i think if you want to talk about a willy wonka and his fucking chocolate factory you need look no further than daniel plainsview and his stupid oil daniel day lewis as willy wonka yep scary Uh, that's you don't need to say what if he played him because he already did. He was Daniel Plainsview, uh, yeah. and he wants the Blood Lord. Uh, no. He wants it now. So uh, th- those are my pairings with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Excellent. I'm also going to say Shelf. I think it's a neat oddity, and it's a lot of fun. I think to combine it with a uh, Hollywood production that's for children but also interacts with postmodernism and pastiche in ways that it does is the Muppet movie. Uh, which is uh, fourth wall breaking and uh, very, very, um, you know, sort of conversant with uh, contemporary art movements and also just fun and hilarious. And so the original uh, Muppet movie, I think, would be a great pairing with this. Uh, you got to get some more Gene Wilder in your life, I'm just saying. So uh, Young Frankenstein or Go Home, uh, Frankenstein. I good mean. call. Uh, yeah, it's so a good one. Absolutely must catch that. And lastly, in terms of seeing capitalism at its worst – and knowing that it's capitalism and it's worse, and it's played a little bit for laughs. So I'm going to say you are string together a bunch of television episodes featuring the great capitalist guru of this particular group of people played by Wallace Shawn. Uh, you may or may not know Wallace Shawn. He is an uh, inconceivable guy from The Princess Bride. I'm saying cull the Ferengi episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and uh, pull just those ones out. It's probably... Four or five hours of watching, and uh, which is a long time, but also hilarious, ridiculous, and silly, and slapstick in the Star Trek universe. And a good time would be had by all. I like that. All. So there are my selections. Uh, dear listener, we'd love to hear your own um, via those magical means of social media already mentioned. So as we close, I guess we're going to do one more show. And we've already talked about having one more show, which is going to be this Easter show that we're going to do with the Heath and Alex's uh, – the, the praise down with Heath and Alex. Let's get the name there right. There you go. And uh, we're going to look at Jesus Christ, Superstar. It's going to be good. Superstar. It's going to be good times. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. And Sometimes. I like to stick my fingers in my armpits, and then I smell them. It's a very different superstar. I kind of want to watch that, too, though. <laughs> that, that's going to be the else, obviously. Molly Shannon is perfect. It's yes. going to pair yeah. so well. So Man, uh, wow. Those movies would pair well. Wow. The more I think about it, the more excited I am. Hmm. 
But we're going to talk about all of that good stuff again with uh, Heath and Alex uh, from the Praise Down. Uh, you stay tuned for that. Keep having that conversation about Willy Wonka, about Jesus Christ, about whatever it is that you're seeing in the movies because that's what makes watching the movies so very interesting. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time. Sweet chocolate, chocolate malt, candy, gumdrops, anything you want. You've come to the right man because I'm the candy man. Who can take a sunrise? Thanks for tuning in to the Good Trash Genre Cast. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a product of Good Trash Media. For more info, head on over to goodtrashmedia.com. Our intro is an original composition by our friend Aaron Rodgers, and our outro music this week is The Candyman by Sammy Davis Jr. Candyman can, cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good.